Welcome to the Well Studying Podcast. This is episode 151. Today is November 7th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, in today's episode, we're going to continue our end of year theme about things that you should be thinking about now and putting in place over these coming weeks before we get into 2016 so that you can hit the ground running and not make the same mistakes next year that you've made in previous years. Use this time to start exploring ways where you can increase your financial knowledge so that you can build your net worth and ultimately become more financially independent. Well, today, the special topic that I'd like to discuss with you is learning how to read beyond the headlines. Now, today's episode is an extension of the original concept put forth in Wealth Building Principle Number 8, which is Decrypt Propaganda. I have a link in today's show notes. You can go back and listen to that episode if you're not familiar with it. It is episode number eight. You can find that over at iTunes or Stitcher or all the episodes are always available in the archives at wellsteading.com. The important thing that I want you to come away with from today's episode and to be able to take this into next year is that whenever you read the news or watch the media, and particularly when you see that headline, that teaser that they're trying to get you to click on a link on the internet, or maybe the big headline banner if you're still reading old school newspapers or magazines or whatever, or that that lead that they try and tease you with just before they go to a commercial on the news, They'll put that tickler out there, write that headline, and it'll say something that appeals to your emotion. And oftentimes it's in the form of a question, particularly on the Internet. Internet marketers know that if they put a headline in the form of a question, people will be more likely to click on it. And so what I want to emphasize to you is when you see that headline that catches your attention, do more than just read the article. Let me step back a second on that because most people don't even read the article to begin with. Now, since you're a member of the Wellsteading podcast, I'm assuming that you're someone that's more driven to get financial news and, and information in general. And so you are not totally influenced just by the headlines, but that is in fact what drives most people. Most people are extremely superficial. And if they know anything at all, they only know the little bit of propaganda that's been fed to them through the headline. They rarely go in and read the actual story. But what I want to get across in this episode is that reading the story or reading the content is not enough. You have to really go beyond that because the writer of that article had a particular angle that they were coming from. They were offering their perspective and generally someone's perspective comes from the source of their paycheck. Now, people that read Salon or the Huffington Post, they're quick to point out all the bias over at Fox News or the Wall Street Journal. And then likewise, people that watch Fox News, well, they very easily can point out all the bias over at MSNBC. That's easy to do. The hard part is to find the bias in the media that appeals to you. That's your challenge. Because you have to recognize the fact that every media source is biased. They're all coming at you with a particular message, and it's all propaganda. And you are actually less susceptible to the people that you think are your, quote, enemy, or the people that you think are, quote, wrong, because you can easily see that. You can discern the flaws in their logic. So where you're likely to have a downfall is in the sources of media that you actually trust. So especially when you're reading a story on the internet or a book or you're watching something on television that you feel is a trusted source, 
that's when more than ever you have to put your guard up and you have to read between the lines and look beyond the content. Let me digress here with a little bit of an analogy. And this is a bit of a stretch, but you'll get the point. You know, many people are very fearful of identity theft. And because they're worried about ID theft, you know, they jealously protect the things that they do on the, uh, on the Internet or the things that they do with their credit card or with their social security number, things like that. They want to protect that from getting out into the public because they're very fearful and very conscious of how thieves can steal your identity and then create you all kind of financial problems by messing up your credit rating or stealing money for you or a variety of things like that, right? We all know about identity theft. But do you know that most instances of identity theft occur from someone that knows you and in most cases someone in your very family? So if you're worried about somebody getting into your bank account or creating a fake credit card in your name, in many instances, it's not some hacker in Russia that's doing it. It's like your son or your daughter or your niece or your nephew. Okay, so the, the point I'm making in that analogy is don't put your guard down just because it's something that's friendly to you or convenient to you or something that you believe in. So when you're getting a story and whether it's coming from Mother Earth News or from the Drudge Report, look at the headline. See what it's trying to convey to you. Definitely put your guard up if it's something that's hitting you from an emotional matter. But in any case, don't take that headline for face value dig down into the facts. When you read a headline and it tells you the unemployment rate is at 5% or that new non-farm uh, payroll jobs uh, were created in excess of 275,000 jobs this month or whatever this quarter. In the old days you had to believe that. You had no other source of information but now with the internet you can drill down. You can go to the Federal Reserve's website and see what they're saying. You can look at the actual numbers you can go to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. You can go to countless academic and economic institutional websites that provide you with raw numbers on virtually everything. Whatever it is you want to drill down, if you have the determination and the aptitude, you can find that. And so when it comes to your money and your investments, when you read a headline, and that headline is driving the stock market for that particular day. Don't only ask yourself what was in that headline that's making the stock prices go up, because in general, that's usually what's moving the market. It isn't the facts. It's that short-term headline. You know, there are actually algorithms and programs that go out into social media and onto news websites, and they track headlines, and they track people's reactions to it, and they put that all into an algorithm and then they spit out a particular trade position and that's part of what these high frequency traders do. If there's a comment from the Federal Reserve on raising interest rates, well these high frequency traders will immediately go in and start to short gold or vice versa. And it's not done on any type of logical basis like supply and demand or actual fundamentals. It's simply built for a high frequency, very short term trade to, ca to catch just a minor little uptick or downtick in the market. Well, you can't make money that way. You're not a high frequency trader. You don't have a supercomputer that's fiber optically hooked up to the exchange. You have to make trades that make money over periods of weeks and months and years, not over fractions of a second. So you can't trade off the headlines. The headlines are beyond short term. They're like microseconds. 
If you'll go back about five weeks, the general consensus from the headlines were that the Federal Reserve was not going to be raising interest rates at any time in 2015 simply because we were running out of days left in this year. And so that that meant that things probably had to be put off until March of 2016 to get a rate increase out of the Federal Reserve. Now, you'll know that in my blog and on this podcast, I've harped innumerable times that even if the Federal Reserve does raise rates, it's 0.25%. It's 25 basis points. It's completely insignificant from a fundamental standpoint. But Wall Street doesn't work on fundamentals. It works on fear and greed. And so when people were pretty confident that there wasn't going to be a rate increase this year, that the easy money would keep flowing, that the Federal Reserve would be very accommodative, and then you combine that in with the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank and the People's Bank of China, and the market started to move up over the last five weeks. Well, what happened this week? There's been some more backpedaling from the Federal Reserve, and now the headlines will tell you that there's better than a 60% likelihood that the Federal Reserve could, and that is could, raise rates at their upcoming December meeting. That didn't totally throw the market into a tailspin, but the S&P has stopped advancing. It's back down below 2100. Gold has fallen precipitously. Right now it's, it's below 1100. It's something like 1089 or so. You know, just a little bit ago it was breaking above 1150, which is something that I didn't think it would do and was headed up to that 1180 range. And people were all already jumping on that bandwagon saying, Oh, it's going to 1200. It's going to, Get up to 1500 Well, no, the fundamentals weren't there to support it, and that's why it's fallen back down. So when I say that Wall Street doesn't pay attention to fundamentals, I mean in the short term. People will rush in to buy gold, even though there's like not a snowball's chance in Miami that gold is going to break out. Because commodity prices, including energy prices, are too low, as well as inflation is too low, to support gold prices at $1,300 or $1,400 or $1,800 an ounce. Now, that may happen six months from now, 15 years from now, but it's not happening any time in the short term. But people's fear and greed drive them to make those trades. The same thing with oil. You heard me say in this last sucker's rally of oil that it, it wasn't going to go much beyond $50 a barrel if it could get that far at all. Well, it got up to about 50 and it fell apart. But there were a lot of people claiming that oil was going, you know, hey, it's going to get up to $75 a barrel. That's going to be good for all the energy companies. And so they rushed into that sector of the economy. But what happened? It's fallen apart. Crude oil is back below $45. is about $44.50 right now. And on the other side of that trade, now because people think that maybe the Federal Reserve will barely ratchet up interest rates, just 25 basis points in the next month or so, well, U.S. Treasuries are at about a seven-month high. Just a couple weeks ago, Treasury yields had melted down well below 2%, and now, boom, they're back over 2.3%. This is a very volatile and unstable market. And the reason that I'm choosing, for the most part, not to participate in it is because from day to day, it's so arbitrary that if you bet on long-term interest rates, you can get severely whacked and knocked down. The same way with jumping into pharmaceuticals or biotechs and thinking, hey, I'm going to buy on the dip and get the recovery. Well, do you see what happened this week? They fell even lower. The strength in this current market continues to be in a handful of high-tech stocks. 
companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon and, and now you know Apple's trying to, to make a recovery, but look at the ones that have fallen from grace. Look at other sectors of the economy that should be doing well if you believe the fact that the unemployment rate is at 5% or less and that job creation is expanding and the housing market is expanding like they're telling you and that everything is supposedly so strong in the U.S. economy, then why are transportation stocks doing so poorly? Why are restaurant stocks doing so poorly? Why is the retail sector doing so poorly? It's not because everybody's buying everything on Amazon. That's a smokescreen. That's where you have to dig down below that headline and look at the actual numbers. Now, I can't spoon feed you every little misrepresentation in the headlines. So in this episode, I'm just going to focus on one area. I'll use that as an example. And then you need to learn from yourself to track things down. Find the things that you're interested in or the things that you're invested in and then pay close attention. Just don't look at the headlines, which is going to make your stock pop for a day or two. Look at the underlying facts, because over the longer run, and I'm talking longer run in terms of swing trading over the three-month period, that's where the money's really going to be made. And the way you profit from that is by not getting tripped up and head faked out like the, the dumb money does. That's why we call them sucker rallies, because the suckers rush in when the fundamentals are weak. And when they bid the price up, that's when the smart money gets out. And they don't buy again until prices collapse and the fear sets in. That's when they make their investment and they wait their two or three months and they turn around and sell it again when the suckers pour back into that sector. That's why you see these spikes in not only stocks, but across every broad sector of the economy. It always ebbs and flows. But the underlying trend and fundamentals will ultimately prevail and they'll help you understand when to get in and when to get out. So let me give you a real live example that's occurring right now. Right now, the market is hovering just below 2100 on the S&P 500. I personally don't believe that that's supported by the fundamentals nor the underlying trend. This market since late September has been talked up by the media and by Wall Street and with help from the Federal Reserve to placate the general public and let you believe that everything is fine and rosy when the entire global economy is slowing down. Now, one example of how they've done that in these past three weeks has been with the earnings announcements that have come out about third quarter corporate earnings. Now, what have the headlines told you almost day after day? Overall, S&P 500 earnings beat expectations. One of the headlines that I just recently seen said that, you know, it stated that virtually all the companies have reported third quarter earnings. And of that, 74% of companies that have reported have beat earnings expectations. So that pumps people up. People see that in the headlines and they rush out to buy into healthcare stocks and technology stocks. And they think that the oil sector is going to go back up. And so they rush back into the market. And they have to because, right, earnings are up. Companies are beating expectations. Well, that's what the headline wants you to believe, but it's not the truth. Companies, for the most part, are beating expectations because those expectations have been downgraded continuously throughout the whole year of 2015. I put up a blog post today over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com. It's entitled Overly Optimistic Wall Street. Now, my blog posts are always under the tab of observations and commentary. So if you're not familiar with that, 
Go over to investablewealth.com, look at the top of the tabs, the one that says observations and commentary. That's the section where I blog under. So the most recent article that was posted today, it's entitled Overly Optimistic Wall Street. I have some verbiage there and a couple charts that explain that right now in third quarter earnings season, the earnings estimates are that the S&P 500 will earn about $107 overall. That's an average price. And that's a range. It goes between like 106 and 110 right now is what they're predicting for today's earnings. So when they come out and say, hey, this company beats, they're basing that on this earnings estimate that says that collectively the S&P 500 is going to earn around $107. But what they're not telling you is that in any given quarter, about 70% of companies always beat. You see companies sandbag and they're in cahoots with the analysts. And so if they know that they're going to make a dollar per share, they backpedal it. They, they talk down their book. They say, well, you know, it's going to be a rough year. Maybe we'll only make 98 cents or 93 cents. And, you know, the analysts take all this in and then they chart it out and they say, yeah, earnings should come in at 97 and a half cents. And then the company comes out and reports a dollar earnings and all the headlines say XYZ company beat earnings expectations. But see, it was all sandbagging. They were holding back. The only thing that you can really learn during the earnings season is when someone misses earnings expectations. When someone doesn't earn as much as they forecasted they would, that's when you know the company is really in trouble. And so you can use that period of time as more of an indicator of who you shouldn't own rather than who you should own. Now, what I'm telling you is not a secret. This is something that's well known. And that's why the smart money ignores the headlines. They know that that stuff's not true. They know that it's the dumb money that gets caught up in that stuff. And so what I've pointed out in, in that blog post over at investablewealth.com is the fallacy of this statement, though, about companies beating earnings expectations. You see, because if you go back a year ago, if you go back to November of 2014, the earnings estimates that they were projecting then for where we would be today were in excess of $130. And now today, they're saying that companies are beating it when it's only at $107. Well, that's a huge divergence. Last year, they were saying companies should be at $130 profit. And now when they're only coming in at $107, they are saying, hey, the economy's so strong. 74% of companies are beating expectations. Do you see how the expectations have been dumbed down? The difference between 107 and 130 is almost 18%. I'm not seeing any headlines out there that's telling you that the S&P 500 is underperforming expectations by nearly 18% from last year's projections. I'm not seeing that pessimism. All I'm seeing is optimism. And that, again, is why the markets have rallied up and performed so well over the last five weeks. But you have to ask yourself, if that rally has been as a result of false information, how long can it last? Is the smart money now selling their positions at the top so that they can get out and be prepared for the next dip? Now, I don't know this. I don't have any insider information. I'm just telling you that a year ago, people were telling you that we were in just a great economy and that the S&P 500 earnings were going to be in excess of $130. And now today, they're telling us how strong the economy is and how well these corporations are doing, and yet those earnings are less than $110. So how can that be? There's a discrepancy there. 
I also show in my most recent blog post that the earnings that are forecasted for a year from now, the 12-month-out projection for the end of 2016, the same forecast that they were making in December 2014 is the same one we're making this year for next year. Well, what I find really absurd about that $130 number is that that's 19% higher from where earnings are coming in right now. So I ask myself, well, where's that 19% growth coming from? Now, I'm not a gloomer and doomer that thinks that we're headed for economic collapse. I'm not preparing for the zombies. I'm not worried that the U.S. dollar is going to lose its reserve currency status anytime in the next multiple decades. You know, none of that concerns me. I'm not a chicken little on that. But when I look at this growth projection, and this comes directly from the, the people at Standard & Poor and their analysts, and they're saying today we're at less than $110 in earnings. In 12 months from now, we're going to be maybe in excess of 130 That's a 19% increase. Well, where's that increase coming from? There's no doubt there's a, that there's a global economic slowdown. There's no doubt that there's an excess of global debt that's resulted in malinvestments, which have created overcapacity in virtually every sector of the economy. That's not going away anytime soon, and it doesn't appear that all the central bank intervention and money printing that they've done will be able to correct this anytime soon because it hasn't been able to correct it for the last seven or eight years. We also have incredible political instability across the globe that is really being ignored. Look at the refugees pouring into Europe. Do you think that that's going to be beneficial or deleterious to the economies of, of countries like Germany and Sweden that's being really literally flooded with refugees that are coming in with virtually no money, very low skills? How are those countries and those economies going to be able to absorb those people in a profitable fashion? I'm not saying that they won't absorb them. I'm just saying that those countries in Western Europe, you have to believe that their economies are going to take a GDP hit. A contraction in GDP is a recession. I just point that out because that's another concern for the German economy. Things are slowing down globally, worldwide. But again, when you look at the headlines, you see earnings estimates that are projected for 12 months into the future are 19% higher, but no one's telling you where that growth is coming from. Go back earlier this year and do a Google search for financial news. Notice when the economy was started to slow down from, uh, say, January through May time frame. The headlines all said, oh, yeah, sure, things are slowing down now, but, boy, the economy is going to ramp up in the second half. Boy, in the third and fourth quarter, they're going to hit escape velocity, and things are just really going to take off. But there was never any substance behind that. When you read those articles, they never pointed to what was going to occur in the economy that was going to make things take off in the second half of the year. But virtually every headline I read either said that directly or alluded to it. And now here we are at the end of the year. We saw things fall apart in the stock market on August 24th. And since then, there's been no positive change in the fundamentals. And yet the stock market has recovered back up to around 2100 as you've heard me state many times over the previous months, I don't think that's sustainable. I think the new baseline for this market based on not only fundamentals, but also underlying trends are going to put the new baseline on the S&P 500 at 1950. Now, I could be wrong. We'll have to see how things play out. 
Here's the bottom line of today's episode. The headlines are telling you that companies are beating expectations in the third quarter. Ignore the headline. Google is your source of all knowledge. Do a Google search on S&P historic earnings and earnings estimates. And then when you look at the chart or when you look at the raw data that comes from that search, you will see what earnings have been, you'll see what earnings forecasts were previously, and you can see where we're at with earnings now. And when you see that we're earning, say, $110 now, and they were projecting $130, or that last year we made $115, but now we're only making $110, and someone's trying to tell you that that's earnings growth, well, you'll know that they're just blowing smoke. It doesn't take hours of research to get to the bottom line. You, as an individual investor, don't have to have your fingers on the pulse of every economic data point. You just have to know the big facts, the big figures. You need to know whether profits are going up or going down. When you compare that to the trend line or the price of the stock that you're looking at, that will tell you everything you need to know. So do your research, uncover the facts, try and discern the trends. That will make you not only more profitable in 2016, but I think that if you ignore the media, it will make you even more happy. Well, hey, that'll wrap it up for today. Thanks for joining me. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.